so we're going to finish off now the, uh, the, the actually the last portion of chapter six of the uh, Gospel of Mark, and then we'll continue next year. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we ask you to send your Holy Spirit upon us that we may know your will and faithfully do it, and that we may be guided by your word. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Let us let go of all of those thoughts and cares and worries and those things which so occupy our hearts. That we may be open to hear God's word and not be so absorbed with unimportant things which occupy us so much. Take away from us, O Lord, all those sins which block the pathway to our hearts. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a lonely place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a lonely place by themselves. Now many saw them going and knew them and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great throng and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a lonely place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the country and villages round about and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves have you? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five and two fish. And then he commanded them to sit down by companies upon the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples who sat before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. And immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. When evening came, the boat was out on the sea and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully for the wind was against them. At about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, have no fear. And he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased. 
and they were utterly astounded. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him and ran about the whole neighborhood and began to bring sick people on their pallets to any place where they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and besought him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. What does this passage of scripture say to my head that I may know the Lord, to my heart that I may love the Lord, and to my hands to teach me what to do that I might serve the Lord? Head, heart, and hands. We ask these questions every time we read the sacred scriptures. We see the power and majesty of the Lord. We see the Lord and his compassion. We see him in action, and so too must we learn from him. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. This is the only time that Mark calls them apostles in the whole gospel. But before that, in the last portion, before the little break that came talking about the party uh, that was murderously arranged by Herod through which John the Baptist was killed, before that he had sent them out. And that's what it means to be an apostle, to be sent out. We're not simply operating on our own. We are people who are sent. Apostolo, apostle means people sent. And so they had been sent and then we hear about the killing of John the Baptist and now they're back. The apostles returned to Jesus. We always do need to return to Jesus when we're sent out. It's that rhythmic beat to go and to come. We come to hear his word, we come to listen, to be purified, to be strengthened. Then we go out to serve, we must always come back to the master who sends us forth. We always need to keep in touch with home base, to keep in touch with the Lord. We're sort of like, uh, I don't know whether, the, I don't think, <laughs> this is not one of our traditional images in Christian literature, but it was sort of like a computer that, you know, you pull the, the plug out of the wall, it doesn't help. You've got to be always connected in to where the source of life is. So the apostles returned to Jesus and they told him what they had done and taught. Those are both things that are important. They told him what they had done because it's their actions which will convert and help people to see Christ, and what they had taught, what they had said about him. They're reporting back to be sure that what they had done and what they had taught was right. This is sort of like St. Paul after his uh, great conversion experience of the road to Damascus. He then went to the apostles to check out, to be sure that he knew what to do and what to say. The doing and the teaching the actions and the words always must come together like concave and convex. They must always be united. The words speak to us of the path we follow. The actions show us that we do follow it. So the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. We should do that regularly. We do it regularly when we come to Mass. 
to report to the Lord. But I think we also do it more frequently when we spend time in prayer every day. If we have the privilege of being near a church, close to the Blessed Sacrament, it's good to report into the Master every day, to tell him what we have done and what we have taught. And sometimes maybe tell him the things we have done that we're sorry for. That's another part of it, to ask God's mercy for our sins. We need to come back, touch base. We need to be in touch with the master who sends us. The master is here and he is waiting for us, but he is anywhere too in our own lives. We need to have, we have a place here with the Blessed Sacrament where throughout the day people come to speak to the Lord, to tell him what they have done and said, but also to ask his strength. But, and we might have an opportunity for that, it's highly recommended, but wherever we are, we need to do that to have a sanctuary in time, even if we are not able to have a sanctuary in space. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a lonely place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, they had no leisure even to eat. Busy, busy, busy they were about the work of the Lord. So he says to them, come away, let's, let's have a break. They've done well, they've taught well, they've been busy, they're on the road all the time. And he wanted to help them and encourage them and come away by yourselves to a lonely place and rest a while. Remember the instructions that come from the manufacturer, page one of the Bible, six days on, one day off. It's part of who we are. We're not robots, fortunately, and we're not God. Well, even God takes a day off according to Genesis. So we need to have that Sabbath time. We need it. And it's a humble thing to know we need it to sort of be a person of steel who needs no break. That's, uh, that's not real. We all need that. We all need to come away to a lonely place and rest a while. Partly because it's just practical, you know, any business person will tell you running a, any organization that if you run the machine all the time and never, you know, give it a little oil or something, it's gonna break down, obviously. Even, uh, you know, slave drivers give a break just to get better product, better productivity out of the slaves. So it's technically a thing, but it's much more than that. It is come and rest a while to be refreshed, to, have our, to get our bearings again, to be there with the Lord, to spend time, holy time, not in what we do, but who we are. You know, we do, we do, we do. We do and we teach, we speak and we act, and those are what we're called to do. But that's not who we are. It's more important to be than to do. And our doing must flow out of our being. And so he says, come away by yourselves to a lonely place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, sounds frantic, coming and going, coming and going, busy, busy, busy. And they had no leisure even to eat. Yeah, sort of sounds familiar there. There they are. They're rushing around. So let's just ask the Lord to help us in this. Reflect on our own lives. I hope that we do spend our time doing and speaking in ways that will glorify God and serve our neighbor. We should do that. That's what we're here for. But do we also have that time in our life where we step back? and say, here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. Do we have time in our life where we take time with the ones we love or are always busy, busy, busy? 
We only have 24 hours a day of time. There is no more. So we got to use it well, and that doesn't mean busy, busy all the time. That's foolishness to do that. So let's just do a little examination of conscience about our Sabbath quotient, whether we have a proper sense of Holy Sabbath time, to be with the Lord, to be with the ones we love, to rest a while. Not to do that is not to be super person, it's to be a little bit proud, to think I can continue on, I don't need that. I mean, they're saying we're bigger, we're better than God, and that just doesn't make sense. So let's just ask the Lord's guidance in that and reflect on our lives. Do we have Sabbath time in our lives? Do we have that built into our life? Every day, every week, every year, Going on holidays is a holy thing. Take it from the Archbishop. It's take it from God. This is what the Lord says. So let's think about that for a while. Let's check out and ask the Lord to help us in that. For many were coming and going, they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a lonely place by themselves. Ah, oh, finally a break. You can imagine the anticipation as they go to this quiet spot, just to enjoy some time together. Now many saw them going and knew them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns that got there ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great throng. Oh my, can you imagine any of us? We try to get away after all of this, and finally, ah, there they are again. They ran around the lake. He's not getting away at all. That's one day off canceled. There they are again, the ones who've been not even giving our Lord and the Apostles leisure to eat, and there they were again. Now, I can imagine what um, any one of us might be tempted to say on such an occasion as the boat sort of rounds the corner and you see, oh, there they are. And we can perhaps think in our own hearts what we would, the expressions that would leap joyfully from our lips as we would look at them there. There they are again. I thought we got away from them. Oh, well, there goes our time in a lonely place. It's away. I think we all have that, you know, we can think of our own reactions in our own lives when we've had that happen. But look at how our Lord reacts. As he went ashore, he saw a great throng, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. And he had compassion on them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. He didn't see a nuisance in his life. He didn't see an interruption of his break, or his holidays, or his time off. He saw people. And he had compassion on them, heart to heart. Heart speaks to heart. He saw them for who they were, for they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he was the shepherd. And so he taught them, guided them, and once more back into action again. Now notice, later on, he does take the time off. He does need that, and he gives us a message in that. But this time, that has to be postponed. 
So I think we need to think about that. If we do have, you know, we do try to get a bit of a, bit of a break and then somebody, you know, knock, knock, knock on the door. Well, look, what are we thinking of, first of all? We do need to have Sabbath time in our life. But people are more important. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And therefore, we need to go and have compassion and understanding and do that, and then try to get a break somewhere else. It's just like, get out of my life, I gotta pray right now. No, that, that, that doesn't work. So we have to have, I think in our schedule of time, it's got to be um, tough and clear. In other words, we have to have Sabbath time and prayer time every day, but it's gotta be, have a little slippage in there. It's gotta be flexible. Because if there's a need of people, we need to respond to that and then just bump it back a bit, which is what the Lord does a bit later. In the few verses from here, he does get his time away. And then it's not the, at that time though, it's not the, the crowds that he notices, it's his own apostles out there having trouble. And so he's back into action again. So let's just look at that and ask the Lord to help us to have attentiveness to prayer and Sabbath time in our lives, but always under the sign of compassion for other people and to put first things first and people and the love of others comes first. How can I love the God I do not see if I do not love the people I do see? That's what St. John says later on. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a lonely place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the country and villages round about and buy themselves something to eat. They're a bit of a nuisance. Let's, uh, it's getting late now, just get rid of them. That's the way we can think easily. Send them away because it's time for them to eat and we don't want to handle that. That's another problem in our lives, and how are we going to do it anyway? But our Lord doesn't respond that way, although each one of us, how often do we do that? When we have a problem, a, a nuisance, you might say, or a difficulty with another person, let's get rid of it. Sweep it under the rug. Get rid of this person. Let's just, I don't want to be bothered with their problem. That's so often the way we can respond. And we can obviously say to someone, send them away. You take care of it. They're saying, to them, they aren't even doing it themselves. They're saying, Lord, they're here. They're, we put up with them now already. We had a chance to get away. Now you did the teaching. Now get rid of them so we can have our break. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. Uh, don't bump it up the line. <laughs> to me. Okay, you give them something to eat. I think it's probably both things. He probably said to them, you give them something to eat. But he also, I think, said to them, you, give them something to eat. Help them. Let's don't stand there. Help them out. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? This is a huge amount of money. How are they going to feed 5,000 people or more? They want, that's why they want to get rid of the problem. They don't, also, they don't know how they're going to do it. And he said to them, how many loaves have you? Go and see. He keeps pushing it back to them, which I think is something that fundamentally is a thing we need to think about. He keeps pushing the decision-making lower. This is subsidiarity. They keep trying to get him to solve the problem, and he just says, look, you 
work on it, engage, become involved in it. This isn't passivity, which is often what we want to do, you know, you take care of the problem. This happens within our own life in the church. It can happen in any relationship. He says, no, you look at it. What? Think it through. What are you going to do? Go and see. And when they'd found out, they said five loaves and two fish. Now remember, this reminds me of a time I, I try to go to a lonely place. For me, a place of great peace and love and beauty is the Abbey in the United States, the Abbey of the Genesee, which is a wonderful place. And actually, they make, that's where they make monks' bread. It's a wonderful, yummy. You can pray and munch, munch and pray. It's what a, what a glorious way to live. Um, but anyway, I remember coming back from there, and I, I had in the car as I was driving back, I actually had some bread, some monk's bread on the si seat beside me. I wanted the customs agent to be able to see everything I had. So I said to him, he said, uh, what do you have? I need to declare. And I said, well, I have five loaves of bread. And, I said, and he said, any fish? <laughs> I thought, oh, gee, I never knew a... <laughs> it's good to know that the, the customs department of Canada has got a... Got a good sense of the scriptures there. And I said, no, 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 nothing. He said, okay, go through, go through. So when they found out, they said five loaves of bread and two fish. So that's not very much. But what the Lord works with without very much is, of course, amazing. And, uh, and this is the way he's going to do it. He's not going to go through a bureaucratic process of trying to, well, the impossible. I mean, the, the path they're thinking, how are we going to get you know, huge amount of money to pay for all this, and how are we going to organize it, how are we going to fix it? There are other ways. He's going to be a little more simple. And so he commanded them to sit down. It says in the, the text, actually, in companies upon the green grass. Well, it's a little symposia symposia, sort of like it's uh, like little drinking groups, little friendly groups, group by group by group, on the green grass. Isn't that interesting, the green grass? Um, that's interesting, that little detail. You suddenly see it. There it is. Must be the men. This is Peter. Seeing. He was there. There they sat down on the green grass. It's just this burst you get when you read the Gospel of Mark. You just see suddenly a flash of. It's like when we hear the voice of Jesus saying, Talitakum. And you just hear his voice through the ages. And then they sat down in groups. And actually, this is like the word they use for groups. Uh, is it's like um, a neat little um, flower bed with the flowers all lined up in little bunches, boom, 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 boom. So they're all orderly. This may not be a bad idea. He's about to do an extraordinary miracle, but he gets them all orderly. <laughs> they're going to be there. And that there is organization does have a role in life. The charism of order organization has a role. You've got to get them all set up. But there's more than that. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to the disciples to set before the people, and he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. Amazing. It's so Eucharistic, too. Mark recalls the way it was, and he makes the connection in language. He blessed, he broke, he looked up. And this may be something that they were familiar with Jesus doing, looking up to the Heavenly Father, this image, this vision. And it's like the road to Emmaus. It is a reminder. Like manna in the wilderness in the Old Testament, just a little bit there helps them all. And like the manna in the wilderness, in the desert place, the lonely place where we live here, and this place here has got lots of people around, but this is a lonely place so often. 
and we are fed in the desert, water from the rock and manna from on high. And we have a need for organization, group by group by group, that's all to the good. But ultimately, we depend on the Lord. It's interesting. Just before this last month, we had another meal. This one, a dictator was calling it. The elite were eating. And someone got murdered at the end of it because of the jealousy and pride and self-esteem and fear and all the rest that were swirling around that fancy meal. Here we have another meal where the one in charge, the host, has compassion upon them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd, who gives freely and everyone is satisfied. What a difference it is. What a difference. And the difference is in the host. The financial resources were greater at the first meal, gold cups and things like that. But what a difference in the host. What a difference. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Let's just reflect upon this and say, what does it say to my head? What does it teach me about the Lord? What does it say to my heart about the love the Lord has for me and I need to have for others? And what does it say to my hands of how I should operate in my life as a disciple of such a master? Let's think about that and ask the Lord to guide us, head, heart, and hands. And immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. They're going to get a little time away, but he was going to finish his work first. That's how I remember my first bishop when I was a, just newly ordained as a priest. He would take the late masses on Christmas so the rest of us could get away. I thought, yeah. That's great. That's really good. My bishop, Bishop Redding. You learn a lot from a person like that. But first, he, he did the work, and then he helped the others to get away. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. responsibility for the people. And if we are, any one of us, responsible for groups of people, we always have to think of that. That's something that the officers eat last is basic principle of, I think, I don't know anything about the military, but I think it's military, what I've heard of military leadership, it makes sense. It's the only way. And maybe each one of us can think about that in our own particular way of life, wherever we may be. What to follow the example of the Lord there, to give a break to the ones who are less central and to do the work yourself if you are more 
higher ranking or whatever, or with more responsibility. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. He doesn't eliminate the prayer from the day, he just has to postpone it because the people were there like sheep without a shepherd and he had compassion on them. But still he needed to commune with his heavenly father and so do we. So we have to come back to that, that Sabbath time. We can't eliminate it, we may have to postpone it, but we can never eliminate it because it is essential. The faster the wheel is spinning, the more the hub has to be secure. We can't remove the hub and expect the car to go. We, we have to have it, but we miss may have to reschedule it a bit. When evening came, after he had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out in the sea and he was alone on the land. He saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. They were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. Isn't that a good description of the church? Here we are, we can't see it because of the scaffolding, but we're here in the nave of the church, the ship of the church sailing through the stormy seas, and the wind was against them. I tell you, look at some of the stuff. That's why I keep reading. I read again the Robert Hugh Benson's The Lord, Lord of the World. And now that's a bit grim. He does admit even at the introduction, maybe he's a little over the top. Well, that's not the, exam, that the terminology he uses, but it's something there. The wind was against them, the kind of a corrosive secularism. If we are sort of going along with the tide, we better look out and watch out for ourselves. We're in the boat together on the stormy sea and the wind is against us. It always has been, it always will be until there is no more and we see him face to face. And I tell you, more and more you look at it, you wonder what's going on. In our country, it's more sly secularism, sort of highly polished and enormously attractive. That's why uh, this book by Benson, I, it's good because the, the, the person who turns out to be the Antichrist actually, but the, the bad guy, is immensely attractive and very eloquent and speaks of all the nice fuzzy language that makes people comfortable. But actually there's nothing there. And that's what we're dealing with in our society. There is this kind of, not what some of our brothers and sisters in Christ are dealing with, being threatened with death for their faith, many, many, many of our brothers and sisters are facing that, but we're facing the corrosive secularism. It's just like in a sense we see in the apocalypse where we have the beast, which is the violent attack on the church, and we have the scarlet woman, which is the seduction. And some people face one and some people face the other. We tend to face the second of the two. And so he saw they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And they can't make headway when Christ is not in the boat. They try, <laughs> so he races to get there with them. He comes. And about the fourth watch, it's about three o'clock in the morning of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. 
He meant to pass by them. This is sort of like uh, the road to Emmaus. You know, our Lord, even here, he's walking on the sea. He's just, they look, oh my gosh, there's Jesus walking by on the stormy sea. That's enough to shock anyone. But he's not immediately gonna jump in the boat and say, here, I'll take over. No, he always needs to be invited into our life. Even he who controls the winds and the waves, he always has the delicacy to wait until he's invited. And about the fourth watch, he meant to pass by them. That's an interesting point. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I, have no fear. The wind and the waves are against them. They're making their way painfully, but have no fear. This is what Pope John Paul, St. John Paul said at the beginning of his ministry, be not afraid. Because he could see the winds and the waves, he'd seen the Nazis, he'd seen the communists, he saw a lot of other stuff too. Be not afraid in the midst of this. We can sometimes as Christians get overwhelmed by all this, but we're meant to be in a little boat in the midst of the stormy sea. That's our natural position. And the wind and the waves are against us until the Lord comes in glory. But Christus vincit, Christus regnat, Christus imperat. That's the nice, the, the song of that is the, um, what do you call it, the call signal of Vatican Radio. Christ is Lord, Jesus is Lord. And they were terrified. He said, take heart, it is I, have no fear. Just think of the fears that we have. The fears in our own lives and the little boat of our own life and the fears we have as Christians in this world. The wind is against us, but winds come and go, but the wind is against us. Maybe we should worry more when the wind is not against us. The time of Constantine, we are probably in greater danger than we are right now. We're always at greatest danger when we become co-opted by the state but just ask the Lord to help us to have no fear. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. They were still thinking in that former mode of how we're going to get 200 denarii. They hadn't seen the fact of his serene and generous power. And I, I often worry about that and think about that. You know, we all do in our own vocations. We've all got our different struggles. You know, I always, sometimes I think as a bishop, you think, oh my gosh, look what's happening. Look at the country, look at this, look at our own. Anyway, I won't go into more detail because this is being televised. But anyway, <laughs> uh, well, anyway, I can fill in the blanks if you want from recent current events. But, um, what is going on? And then you begin to worry, how am I going to fix this? How am I going to fix, what am I going to do? Well, we have to do that a bit. You know, we've got to think it through. God gives us our heads to do that. And he wants us to. We need to teach and to do. That's what he wants us to do. But ultimately, it is the Lord who provides bread in the wilderness, who calms the sea. And our hearts must not be so hardened as to think it's you or me. We do what we can, but ultimately it is, here I am, here my Lord, I come to do your will.
And that's what the great thing of St. John the 23rd, which I have a saying I have long known, but rarely been able to actually live. And that is when at the end of the day, he would say, well, Lord, it's your church. You take care of it. I'm going to bed. You know, I tend, I try to say that every night, but then I wake up saying, oh my gosh, how am I going to handle that? <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. So it takes a while. There's a huge distance between the head and the heart. And uh, so, you know, you've got to just say, well, Lord, then you roll over and say, oh, here we are. <laughs> be not afraid. So we pray that our hearts not be hardened, but realize the presence of the Lord. And when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and moored by the shore. And when they got out of the boat, immediately the people recognized them. So every time they get out, suddenly all these people racing towards them ran about the whole neighborhood, bringing the sick people in their palace or the place, any place they heard he was. Wherever he came, in villages, cities, or country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces, besought him that he might touch even the, they might even touch the fringe of his garment. So they're racing around him, this huge crowd of people. You just sense the excitement that it's Jesus. And as many as touched it were made well, even to touch the fringe of his garment. For he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings, our Lord Jesus Christ, who, who calms the sea, who feeds people in the wilderness. We gotta have a deeper sense of that. Be aware of that. He is, he, he, and he alone is the Lord of the world, the real one. He is the one, the Lord of our hearts. And so that's why we also need that Sabbath time so we don't get all bedazzled by the problems that surround us, but that we simply say, here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. My Lord and my God. Here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. And the problems still swirl around us, but not really anymore if we know the context of divine providence within which we live. And then we can serenely rise up and become supple instruments of God's grace where he has placed us to do what he has called us to do for each one of us as a special vocation from the Lord, to be a supple, humble instrument of his grace in the place where he has put us. And from him will come the healing, from him will come the nourishment and the power to still the storms that so frighten us. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a lonely place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a lonely place by themselves. Now many saw them going and knew them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great throng, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a lonely place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the country and villages round about and buy themselves something to eat. 
But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves have you? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down by companies upon the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. At about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Have no fear. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. And when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, immediately the people recognized him and ran about the whole neighborhood and began to bring sick people on their pallets to any place where they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and besought him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it, were made well. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.